Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. I remember when I was in elementary school, my most favorite thing to do in school was to go on recess and pretend I was a Power Ranger with my friends. It was the most fun thing in the world and the most important thing for me to be doing all day. I wanted to do that all the time. Um, and there's there are a lot of different ways to describe what this was, but I think one of the main ones that we have in our vernacular in our culture is make playing make believe. Right? You're pretending to be something you're not, or you're pretending to have pretending to have something you don't, or whatever. The act of make believe, while recognized as a super childish or dare I say immature practice is actually one of utmost importance and such a fascinating expression of what we are. So we're going to talk about make-believe today, or on this episode. Um, and I, I think I'd like to pride myself on, growing up, that was a pretty powerful exercise of mine. I was like very interested in doing that all the time. I would go alone into the woods when I was on like family vacations, or whatever, um, to play make-believe by myself in the woods. Part of that was because I had to process and sort through all the energy I was picking up in the spirit and the atmosphere I didn't want to deal with. The other part was I wanted to have fun. And so doing that with other people was a lot more drama than if I did it alone. So oftentimes when I was on family stuff, doing that alone in the woods was way more enjoyable and I would do it for hours. I loved it. I would go on these epic journeys and whatever, right? Um, the more I study faith and the more I study... Um, you know, engaging with the world that God created and the way he designed us to interact with it and how we're meant to create and produce in it, the more I realize that that make-believe faculty is not just for children. It's crazy how relevant that is to our adult life, to what it looks like to be mature in the kingdom. We are creative beings, and it's it's the most natural thing in the world for us to create like our dad does, to cause things to take effect or to happen in the world around us according to our desire according to what we see and what we want. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things we don't see, right? God's constantly saying to us, hey, if you remain in me, my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. Like There's this creative thing where our desires are supposed to take form and shape and effect in our lives and in the world around us. That is like the thing that sep- one of the main things that separates us from any other creature God made like we're made in his image and we are able to create we're able to think and choose and produce you know effects according to our desires like that's fascinating and powerful and such a beautiful privilege and accessed in such a quote childish way right childish i mean faith we are consistently instructed by jesus to believe that we've received the thing right? Believe you have received it and it will be yours. So it's not just like having an idea for what we want the future to look like. It's believing that we already have it now, even though it hasn't manifested yet. Like this is a conversation. I don't know that I hear a ton of Christians having. I think a lot of uh, like intellectuals avoid this because it's awkward because it doesn't line up with the Western way of thinking. It's illogical. 
right? Because we're looking at the natural world. We're looking at what's manifested, what's visible. And to say that I have a million dollars in the bank is illogical because I, like, in the natural, don't have a million dollars in the bank. But if that's something that's in my heart, let's, I'm just using that as an example. That's not actually even anything on my dream board. But let's say that's what I wanted just because it's nice and uh, measurable. Let's say a million dollars in the bank was the thing that was in my heart and that mattered and it was important to me and the Lord's pleasure is on my life and that desire is coming from that place. Then I'm not supposed to imagine a future where at some point eventually I'll have a million dollars in my bank account. I'm supposed to live my life now. And anytime I think about my bank account now, live as if that million dollars is already there. And if that is, um, what's the word? unacceptable or if I can't shake it or if I can't actually pull that off, then it's, I don't have faith for it. Then it's not faith. And we need to not call it that, right? Faith is the, your connection to what already exists in a timeline where it hasn't actually manifested yet. You have caught wind of something that's already in effect, it's already there and you're supposed to treat it accordingly. You're supposed to respect it and honor it in the way you live now. And so um, one of the practices I have on a regular basis um, as being a disciplined entrepreneur who has goals and visions and things I want to accomplish, I write a goal statement. I read it every morning and every night for the next 30 days or 60 days or whatever the time frame is that I choose. And the whole point of this practice is to envision the thing that I want to have accomplished. And I talk about it in the goal statement in present tense as if it's already happened, right? But one thing I'm realizing in this practice that I need to adjust immediately is not reading my goal statement and envisioning this thing in the future, but reading my goal statement and envisioning it now as if I've already accomplished it or I've already received it or whatever the goal is that it's already happened, this is illogical. It is contrary to the natural mind, but it is the operation of faith. It is the creativity in you looking to express itself. Um, time is the variable here, right? There's a chronological outplaying. There are natural processes that will participate in the creation of the thing and it being drawn to your life or it being produced or whatever. That's a thing. But your participation, your responsibility, your role in this whole equation is to treat it as if it's already here, to trust like a child that your dad has already given it to you, ah, which comes from trust, right? It comes from this imaginative, um, vision-filled, hope-filled place where you are vulnerable and dependent. You can't make this happen. All you can do is accept it. All you can do is believe, which is maddening for pe some people. <laughs> um, it's absurd. It's foolishness. Right? But the gospel is foolishness to the Greeks, right? Like this, it doesn't make any sense. It's offensive. Um, that's the nature of what it looks like for you to be a powerful contributing member of the kingdom of light. You are supposed to regard the things you that your faith is touching as if they've already taken place. So let's walk this out practically. If you have a relationship and you're hoping for a certain dynamic in your relationship to shift, you can't like coerce the other person's willpower. You can't change anybody else's choices, but you can envision the dynamic of that relationship in a certain way and live as if that's true now and treat them according to that relationship, not the one you're presently experiencing and you disagree with and you ignore 
the discrepancies of how your disconnection might be playing out now and not get caught up in the offense or the fear or the control that might come up to try and fix the problem. And instead, you regard them as if they are the person that is relating to you in the beautiful and holistic way that you imagine, right? I'm not saying we pretend like problems don't exist or we ignore them. I'm saying we don't allow our consideration of the connection with that person to be influenced by the deficit or the conflict. We only consider them according to what our faith has touched, right? As an example, or again, like the bank account situation, let's say you need a certain amount, not need, that's the wrong word. This thing doesn't respond to need. It responds to faith. Okay. So let's say you genuinely in a desirous place have this number in your mind, like I want this amount of money in the bank account. Let's say there's a, or maybe it's a car, maybe it's a house or maybe it's a job or whatever. You hold the vision of that thing in your heart as if it is here now. And you allow your emotions to take effect in a response to that judgment. If that money was now, that means that anxiety is gone. That means that you're you striving really hard and forcing yourself under pressure to try and get a result stops being the operation, right? And you start living with a sense of peace and a sense of ease and a sense of gratitude, right? That legitimately starts to trigger in your emotional state. Your soul starts to grab this code, this blueprint, if you will, and starts to go like explore the reality of this thing that is faith. And so you then start engaging from that place and you allow that state to be what is expressed in this, the current um, place that you're in. And you engage your environment in the present where in the natural, that thing might not have taken place yet, but in your spirit, you're aware that thing is yours and you don't consider it in any other form. And then you live and engage with your environment as if that thing is already in effect or as if you already possess it or whatever. And this applies to anything that we're looking to accomplish or acquire or build or experience, which is crazy. And it actually kind of shocks me how much I don't hear this in the church. I don't hear this talk very much. Most of the time when I'm experiencing these kind of conversations, it's with very wealthy people. <laughs> it's so weird. But when I'm talking to people who are outrageously successful and have a ton of money in their life, this is where these conversations come up. It's with these people that they know to talk about this stuff and they know this is real and they have experience in it and they're passionate and convicted. It's the broke people, the people that are struggling that, you know, are wrestling with these obstacles or whatever that don't know to talk about this. They don't believe this way. They don't live like this. And so, you know, there are all these judgments and opinions about the wealthy and whatever. And some of them are absolutely erroneous and absurd and ridiculous. Some of them are accurate and some of them are negative. Some of them are positive, blah, 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 whatever. That notwithstanding, I've noticed a pattern. The wealthy people that I know, the people that are rich and have a ton of whatever, not just money, but all those things understand the necessity of visualization and engaging your faith and seeing what you desire and engaging with it as if it's already yours. Like they get that and they walk it out to whatever degree that they've figured out up to this point and they practice it. And then there are a lot of people who don't have those results in their life, who don't understand that stuff and they don't live this way. And you can hear it in the way that they talk. They complain. They're negative. They're frustrated. They're offended. They're cynical. They provide commentary on what's wrong with the world and the way things shouldn't be and whatever. And all they dwell on is what's missing. And they focus on what isn't good or what's not the way things are supposed to be or whatever. Um, and that's what they talk about. And that's what they dwell on. And I have some friends who legitimately, they think they're connecting with you by complaining about their day. Blows my mind. I do not understand it. And these are Christians. And they'll sit there and they'll tell, like you'll ask how their day was and then they'll kind of 
relay to you all the stupid negative things that happened in the day. And you're like, what? And that's the thing. They might say today was good and this cool thing happened, whatever. And then when they start getting heated and passionate is when all the negative stuff comes out. And you're like, are you kidding me? Or I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how is that the thing that draws all your passion out? Like, how is that thing you're most concerned with? Like, that's crazy. And so, again, I'm not saying that we deny or ignore problems or conflict. We don't pretend like that stuff's not happening. We just don't let that inform our vision of reality. We don't, we don't let that thing be the thing that we pull from to influence what we're aware of and what we are building in our lives. Such a fascinating conversation, such an interesting thing to navigate. It's a whole different thing entirely to actually start to practice it, right? So I'm, as I was reading this morning even, I'm just like wrestling through some of my own like practices and things that I've like adopted and embraced. And I'm like, oh, there's more like opportunity for refinement and improvement in this area where I can more accurately engage with the world I believe in rather than the one that's, you know, currently around me. And that is how the world changes. It's how we change our environment or our circumstances. Is it starts in that place of faith, that belief area. It comes as a proposal, as an idea. And as we accept that and engage with it and allow it to inform what we think is real, that creative thing that comes from the Lord through us starts to actually produce that as an experience. And it manifests in the natural. And we are the creators. We are the builders of this place. We are the ones who have the power to change it. And it's from here that that happens. And so there's practice here. We have to learn how to allow ourselves to go to the place of the things we hope for and want are already here. That that is what's real. (laughs) And then it comes out in the way that we relate to other people and the things that come out of our mouths and the choices that we make and the way we respond to circumstances or events or situations, we must find a way to align ourselves with faith rather than reactionary um, commentary to the breakdown of other people's choices that were not in line with what God intended. We are here to create and change this place, not react to it. We are not commentators. We are creators. Amen. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.